Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. Ha ha ha! I'm gonna fight your fucking ass! You don't got, you're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people! I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody! Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the MMA for Money show, episode 24. We are back. Usual suspects, usual format, where you guys have known to love. I am MMA state of mind, Bob Voss, your favorite garbage man, all those deals. I'm here from the beginning with my man at Don't Cope Just Win, Mike Copenhaver. Mike, how are you doing tonight? Hey, Bob. Uh, doing good, dude. Pleasure to be here. Now, we're going to come at you with straight fire for this entire show because we got me and Mike from the very beginning, which you know those are the best shows. No technical difficulties, no nothing, just MMA knowledge and good discussion. We're going to jump right into UFC Auckland, no downtime. Emil Meek got out-wrestled by Jake Matthews, which we all kind of thought would happen, with a chance to finish, but he didn't quite follow through. Um, not for the podcast, but I did have a bet on Emil Meek because I thought exactly what did happen in the fight would happen. I just thought Meek would be able to put the coffin nails in when he had his chance, and he didn't quite pull it off. And kudos to Jake Matthews for staying composed and get the wrestling thing going. Uh, he still is improving, uh, not as fast as I would like, considering how long he's been in the UFC. But then again, dude's only 25. So, Mike, how do you? what's your take on that fight? Should Emil Meek be out of the UFC? Where do you see Jake Matthews next in terms of the division, since he is now a mainstay at welterweight? Well, what sucks about Emil Meek is that he's super exciting. And even in this fight, when he got the chance to be exciting, which was standing, it was exciting. You know, he was giving Jake Matthews all that he could handle. And the last two rounds, Jake Matthews was praying for his life just to get Emil Meek down on the ground so he could get this fight ended and not ended by a submission or his ground to pound or anything, but, but laying and praying and just hoping that three rounds would end and he would squeak out the judge's decision because he did well in the first round. So... I can't score too highly of Matthews uh, on this performance because Emil Meek was literally just kind of giving him a takedowns. And it's just kind of sad, man. I mean, as good as Emil Meek could be, he just he just lacks either the MMA IQ to pull off what he needs or the takedown defense to stand up on his feet to give the damage that he wants to give. So um, it was, you know, it was scored barely for Matthews, but I wouldn't have been mad at a, a draw or going to Emil Meek because... Matthews did not want any part of the damage coming from Emil Meek. No, I agree there. I actually had a good talk with uh, someone on Twitter. I'm spacing on the account at the moment. It was just before uh, the fight. It was after I posted my bets on Twitter. Because as anyone knows, listening to the show, uh, I typically wait till at earliest Thursday, but usually not till Friday or Saturday to post them. So you guys have enough time to listen to the show, get the free picks we put out before you could just look at my Twitter account. Um, and I talked to someone about... Uh, if I was nervous with Emil Meek, I'm like, I know exactly what I'm betting in this fight. I am betting him to get into that spot where he can finish, and I was counting on him to pull the trigger, and I got him at big plus money to do so, so that's why I was okay with it, because I thought it was absolutely worth the odds, and the exact situation occurred, but just apparently he doesn't have quite the killer, he has the killer instinct to get it to that point, but not the killer instinct to 
completely finish it off. And and I'm with you on the, the, the possibility of it being a draw because that, that damage he put on him in that round um, was definitely what it could be. Mike, what do you got there? I didn't uh, clearly answer your other question was, does he deserve to be in the UFC? I, he still does, man, because he's, he's still exciting. So let's just, uh, was, this, was this 170 pounds? Yeah, Walter White. Let's do him and Mike Perry and just have a whoever wins stays. Oh, man, you got me going. That was the fight I was thinking of. I'm like, oh, man, that'd be so good. It would just be chaos and damage, and it'd be one of those fights where uh, Mike Perry would, well, first of all, say something ridiculous, but then, yeah, just be an absolute war and first man to fall. And I still think Meek probably has a little bit better of a chin, but Perry has more power, so we'd find out. Um, Next on the card was our bet loss for the night. We went one and one. Uh, for a slight loss on the night. This was my bet. Uh, Magomed Mustafayev, who is minus 135, he loses to hometown boy Brad, Brad Riddell, who is plus 115, via split decision, which might make you think I'm going to say, oh, it was super close. Mustafayev almost had it there. And, and he did, if you go into the, by the judges. But I thought I actually did think it was a clear win for Riddell. Uh, kudos to him. He is at a higher level than I thought he was at. I just thought he was a warm body who would throw and could take damage and was just there for exciting fights. And this was an exciting fight, don't get me wrong, but I thought he was just going to be an absolute punching bag for Mustafayev, and dude pulled it off. Um, I don't necessarily see him having too high of a ceiling uh, in the division, but I would like to see him going forward and some exciting fights. Mike, were you seeing Riddell uh, in the future, and how'd you feel about this fight? Well, this was a great fight. I mean, Brad Riddell really showed me a, a thing or two about the this pick. I mean, I know we lost it, but I mean, I love good MMA, and this was a great MMA bout. I know it was a split decision, but like you said, it was a clear win by, for Brad Riddell in front of his hometown. I can't hate, he's you know friends with Israel Adesanya, and I guess they're great friends and training partners. So, I mean, I'm sure he's just learned so much, and he was quite impressive. I can't wait to see him in the future. I hope they don't throw him up too high because he'll get knocked down pretty quick. But I think that he could be exciting if they give him some time to grow and give him the right matchups. Zubaira Tukagov. Sorry, I'm going to pause a second. I'm pretty proud of myself for an- announcing that one. I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. Uh, defeats Kevin Aguilar in the first round by KOTKO. Um, I'm not surprised he won this fight. I'm surprised how dominant he was in this fight. Uh, he never t- seems to be a guy that absolutely goes for it in that way. Um, I always saw him as a little bit more on the boring side and didn't honestly didn't think he had him to do that. I thought Kevin Aguilar was going to nail him to the body and going to make him question um, the fight and start backpedaling and be more on the defensive and doing just enough to where he thought he was going to win, but take enough damage that Kevin Aguilar was going to pull it off. And no, he kicked him straight to the curb, knocked him out of the water. Uh, kudos to Zubaira Tukov. And if this is the new uh, Tukov, I hope he sticks around because this guy's exciting. I would never have said that before this, but he is. So kudos to Nurmagomedov's boy. And I guess I'm actually for once excited to see who he's fighting next. Mike, how do you think about uh, Tukagov and now uh, Aguilar? This is uh, his, is it second or third loss in a row? It's his second. First was Dan Ige and then Zabayar Tukagov. Actually, I mean, those are two decent names to lose to. But uh, do you think he's going to get another chance in the UFC? Uh, If so, who might you want to see him fight? And are you like me and for once are actually excited to see Tukagov's next fight? 
Well, with Kevin Aguilar, it's usually three and out, so I definitely think they'll give him one more fight. And there's no shame in losing to Dan Ige and uh, Tukumov because they're both mean dudes, and I, I wouldn't want to fight him myself. So uh, it was super impressive how quickly he took out Kevin Aguilar. You know, Hispanics usually have really good gas tank, and they're really impressive in their cardio. So for you to smash one out in, you know, two minutes, three minutes, whatever it was, is quite impressive and i look forward to seeing him in the future i know that not all khabib's training partners are worthy but this is definitely one of the guys who we're going to keep our eye on now the other side of inhaler gate as i talked about last week ben sasoli fought and he got himself knocked out square away in the first round by the former light heavyweight now heavyweight delima i mean entertaining fight for as long as it lasted and just sloppy heavyweight knockout i'm not sure how much else you could say about that but other than him how'd you feel about the finish mike well anytime a girl those big boys uh connect fully it's quite impressive so Marcos Rodero de Lima, he, he is impressive when he wants to be, but he's just one of those hit-or-miss type fighters. That's why his record 17-6, and six, and he was fighting Ben Sosili, so it wasn't like he was fighting anyone impressive. So just a case of heavyweights colliding, and whoever hits first is going to hit, and someone wins. No, absolutely, and this is definitely one of those fights that if it would have made it to about a round and a half, you would have had some gassed heavyweights looking straight up terrible so i guess here's a good thing that it ended in the first round now the next fight made me a little sad um i guess as weird as that is obviously it is fighting and people get hurt all the time but uh yonan yan defeated carolina kovokevich via unanimous decision um but that that really doesn't describe the fight like it wasn't even close Special K was just getting is just getting damage at this point. She's at one point her face and eye were so swollen that she was covering it with her gloves. The fight wouldn't get stopped, but she was just taking damage and damage and damage. And I can't remember if it was a video interview or she just posted on her own Twitter. But she had mentioned this was the first time after a fight that she like legit like felt bad and was down and like utterly defeated and everything just hurts and she wasn't fine and all that kind of stuff and man it's just getting real depressing on that side for uh someone who had so much promise at 115 is now just getting utterly destroyed and just standing there taking damage kudos to Jan. um fantastic performance uh i would like to see her fight a little bit higher of competition because we don't even really know in terms of the division uh, where uh, Kovalkiewicz is at this point. So I would like to see Jan fight someone a little bit higher up in the rankings. And I'm almost thinking that Kovalkiewicz should get a mercy cut at this point. I mean, uh, the best point for her life would be if she would re-sign to KSW and they kind of feed her cans. She could sail off into the sunset and make some money. But that's just where my head's at. Mike, what was your impression on this fight? Jan going forward? And then, I guess, just reactions to Kovalkiewicz's in the fight, post-fight, and future. KK, come cuddle. I don't know why you want to do this anymore. Sad? Sad isn't even is an understatement. This reminded me of my dog that, I, that died of cancer. In her last, like, month of living, her eyes, you know, faded out, and there's, like, they're getting, like, white on the outside, and they're fading slowly, and their vision isn't quite there, but you're trying to pretend or trick yourself that the dog's going to get better and things are going to go well. 
was exactly what happened with this fight with KK, man. I mean, Jan whooped the shit out of her, and I love KK so much. I mean, it, I just, I didn't even watch it, man. I, I basically like turned my my head basically every few minutes just to, just to peep if Carolina was still alive. It was really, really heartbreaking. KK should definitely stop doing this. I mean, I, she's so tough to stay in there trying to pretend that she could see with that one eye. But she was definitely that down dog that was blind and out. And they definitely, she needs to be put out. And Jan kind of put her out of her misery. And I definitely think that she uh, sees that she's not ready for this upper echelon of MMA. And Jan is definitely a mean, mean little Chinese girl who ate way too many paper wrapped chickens as a kid. Oh, yeah, man. I can't wait to see her uh, going forward. Yeah, man. Kovacic. It was, camera if it was her last fight or the one before that where her post fight was just. I know I'm not at the top of the division anymore, and I'm not at my best, but I think I could still fight. And then now we have this. I, I don't know, like like you said, but even just the sad is the honestly the your description of the dog with cancer. That's the the level of sorrow that should be going through anyone that was a fan at any point with her. Um, to brighten things up a little bit, because that man is just bad. I can't. I've been trying to avoid as much of the stuff going on on Twitter about it as possible, because yeah, it's just it's just down there. Um, in the co-main event. Uh, Local area guy Jim Crute defeats uh, Oleksandchuk in the first round with a Kimura. And actually, the stats I heard is he is the one of, I think, three people to ever have two Kimuras in the UFC. And if he gets a third, he will be the only one. Um, this is another one of those fights that I will go to bat for and need to start doing it more. That sometimes going with your gut is just where you got to go, man. I loved Jimmy Crute earlier in the week, loved him at dog money and just stayed away from it just i the more i looked into Alexandruk, i'm like no but he he's good but no but he could do this and then i just rationalized myself out of a winning bet because jim crute made it look easy so in hindsight always go with your gut you'd rather lose with your gut than win with someone telling you how to bet so mike how'd you feel about this fight can you talk a little bit more in depth about the kimura i thought it was pretty nasty uh so if you can give me a more technical breakdown on that side that'd be great yeah, man. I mean, this is an, another example. I, I've talked many times in other podcasts about how I've uh, followed up and coming talent all the way from the debut or before their debut in the UFC, but into their debut and bet them all the way. And then at some point, I kind of I decide like, man, I think I'm going to hop off the train and, I, and I'm not quite sure. So I'm pissed at myself for picking McCall to actually beat Jimmy Crute. I mean, we both of us, are, like you said, are very, very high on Jimmy Crute. We have been since day one. I, I, I'm very upset with myself for not thinking that Jimmy Crute could get him down on the ground and finish him. I think that because of McCall's last fight, I gave him too much credit and Jimmy Crute not enough. So, I mean, it just... That Kimura was deep, deep, and it was wrenched in, man. I mean, there's... there's once you get locked in a, cer uh, a certain submission, a Kimura, someone has you in a wrist lock and you don't have thick wrist or they have you in something that you're vulnerable. I mean, you have not even a second to, if, to play the game of like, oh, should I tap? Should I be tough? I mean, you're playing the ligament game. You're playing damage game. You're going to have you're going to be out for months, a year. If you have to work, you're not going to be working. If you have to fight, you're definitely not going to be fighting and or working. So it's a tough decision to make. And I mean, I'm a call. To, I would you, you just tap from those things. There's no there's no gritting it out. I mean, Jimmy Crute meant business with it and have two of them already in his UFC career is quite impressive because he's still pretty young. And I really believe he will get a third one because 
I, the UFC loves kind of getting these guys, these accolades, like Charles Dubronx with submissions or Cowboy with certain amount of fights or whatever it may be. So I look forward to seeing him be put up against someone he can land this third Kamora with, and they'll make a big deal. And But he is kind of a big deal. If he gets a striking up, he's going to be a really, really good uh, fighter. He's definitely someone who was a... Uh and still is a light heavyweight prospect. And like you said, like a lot of people jumped off that train early um, with his loss to uh, Misha Sirkinov because so many people saw Sirkinov as washed. And in some ways he is. But there was just one of those early losses that fighters need. And man, Jimmy Crude bounced back in a major way. Um, now moving on to the main event of UFC Auckland. You had hometown guy Dan Hooker, who was minus 150. He won the split decision over Paul Felder. This was our second bet of the fight card. This one won for plus one unit, but given paying the du- juice for uh, mine earlier on the card, we ended up with a slight loss of minus, w- minus 0.35 units on the night. Borderline break even. Um, Mike, how did you score this fight? We'll start with that, Mike. How did you score the main event? Well, because of my bias, I definitely had it for slight Dan Hooker, but because he was kind of avoiding the little altercations towards the end of the fight in round five. I, I I definitely could see how it might be a draw or it could go to Felder. It could have gone either way. It was a great, great fight. I mean, the grit that Paul Felder shows, uh, you know, and the damage that he took on his face, it's just insane. And this, to hear his emotional uh, outburst about his uh, daughter or his, uh, his, ch- his child at the end, I mean, it's true, man. I mean, I go to work uh, to the studios and work 12 hours, and I, I think about that kid, my kid, my two-year-old son, and my stepson, Ryder, all day long. And, I mean, they really do motivate you, or they definitely make you in a different emotional state than you thought you would ever be if you were single. So I, I really felt for him, and he made me even love him even more. But um, I it, it makes me more suspect on uh, Dan Hooker going forward. I will look forward to betting against Dan Hooker against somebody that has some better striking with a uh, great takedown defense. No, definitely. Like in the early goings of the fight, right away, like uh, Hooker looked really good, especially in like the first two, two and a half rounds. And he had the low kick going that was stopping uh, Felder. He swelled up that eye on Felder uh, early in the first round, I believe. And was hitting very cleanly, snapping Felder's head back with a jab and everything like that. Like, he was fighting really, really long, which uh, was very impressive. Felder was definitely taking over in the uh, fourth and fifth round. Uh, I did score it for Hooker, uh, three to two. Um, Wouldn't have been mad if it went either way. Uh, Honestly, we thought it was going to be a little bit more dramatically in Hooker's favor, but knowing that it's going to be in Auckland, any close fight, you kind of got to lean towards the hometown guy, especially if you listen to the fight, the sheer pop that guy got on the walkout. As soon as the fight started, they started chanting for him and any other choice phrases during the fight. Um, I agree with you. I think if a guy with really good takedown defense or just like a solid wrestler, because obviously Paul Felder isn't a natural wrestler, he learned it over time. So anybody that did wrestling on the come up and has some serious power, because no offense to Felder, I do think he's a good striker, but I don't think he has near the power. I think someone with a power and decent wrestling would stop uh, Hooker. I, I really do. He Hooker called out Justin Gagey, which... I don't think he's going to get that fight, judging by uh, by what we're going to talk about a little bit later on the podcast, but Gagey would just straight annihilate him. 
Uh, and that's the hard part about this division is like that top like five guys are all powerhouse wrestlers and other ones are varying degrees of striking with a lot of power. So uh, the rest of his career is going to be a little bit shaky. Um, <laughs> didn't quite live up to the level that I know I thought he was going to be at going into this fight. And I don't mean to jump off the train too early, but I think uh, the fight with Felder showed a couple glaring holes that the top of the division has sewn up. Um, who would you like to see uh, Hooker fight next? He's asking for Gagey, but I don't think it's going to be Gagey, so let's disregard Gagey. Is there anybody else at 155 that you really want to see Hooker fight? Man, you know, off the top of my head, I can't because uh, he couldn't even get through Barbosa, so I'd like to see maybe him try to rematch that and get a win to convince me he deserves better. And Felder said something at the end of the fight about he might be done. Now, obviously, you can't hold what fighters say immediately post-fight in the interview to heart, given how much that changes. But uh, do you think Felder will actually retire? And that's the first part of it. And the second part, should he retire? I definitely think that if he's thinking that already, that he should, because he's a very bright guy. He's a great announcer. He can make more money outside of the octagon than he can inside of it, in, in my opinion. So for his family's sake, for his kid's sake, uh, if he was my brother and he was as talented as Paul Felder is outside of the cage, I would definitely advise him to go elsewhere and utilize his assets there because he doesn't take the damage and incur the possible CTE that all these guys are taking. That was UFC Auckland. Now, for once, we can go back to our true original format, which obviously isn't that crazy to begin with, but uh, we do have some fight announcements if they've come out. One is official, uh, one is rumored. We'll go with the official one first uh, before we completely jump to UFC Norfolk for this next weekend. Um, Aldo versus Cejudo is official. The title fight is happening there at Bantamweight. Cejudo officially jumps past all of the worthy contenders and fights the former featherweight champ. Mike, how do you feel about the fight? And just quick pick. You don't have to think too much into it. Just where's your early leanings on this bantamweight championship fight? I'm, I'm not a fan of this at all. I think it's absolutely stupid, retarded. Uh, sorry for the, the even saying retarded. I think it's just just ludicrous that he would skip the real title challengers for this type of a fight but this is what it seems like a lot of champions do once they get that belt they get the belt and then they start playing games and stalling and asking for all these super fights and all the all this hoopla and this and that and and they totally stall the divisions and it's funny because they talked i think cejudo used to talk about people stalling divisions and now he look he's one of them and it's just it's stupid man i mean it's Aldo has had terrible, terrible times with wrestlers via Frankie Edgar. He's not going to like a world champion and, and a gold medal wrestler in Cejudo. So even on Cejudo's worst day, he could take down Aldo for five rounds and roll him around on the ground and beat him. So I easily think Cejudo will beat him. I think it's stupid. I want to see him fight a real fighter like uh, Peter Yan. So yeah, Peter Yan, Aljamain Sterling. There's plenty of guys there at 135 that absolutely deserve it. And jumping to Aldo is... He wants the name recognition for pay-per-view points or money or whatever, but, I mean, Aldo wasn't ever a huge pay-per-view seller, so I don't know where he's going with that. Uh, next, we're going to go more towards a rumor, and this actually links. We actually posted a, a poll up on MMA for Money Show Twitter account if you want to go there. Uh, the question is, which Conor McGregor fight rumor do you want to come true? And we have listed uh, Justin Gagey and Nate Diaz, and... Currently, it's 52% for Justin Gagey's, 48% for Nate Diaz with uh, 
about 23 votes on there. That's only been going for a couple hours now, so by all means, go on there and vote. We can update on what the final result is for that. But it seems like the front runner, at least, is McGregor versus uh, Gagey. At least a couple of the news outlets have put that forward. So that's the rumor. Mike, how do you feel about the rumor? And do you have a lean or a pick in the early goings of that fight? Oh, man. I'm excited for the fight because it's, you know, Conor McGregor and Justin Gaethje. So I I think it seems like a setup for Conor to land a left hook and sleep Justin Gaethje because Gaethje's forward pressure is so great and make us all super excited about him again. But um, Gaethje does have a, poss- a really good chance. His wrestling is great. Conor won't have any jujitsu for him, in my opinion. So that leaves a striking matter. And, J- and Justin Gaethje's leg kicks are going to be in play if they if they're as great as they can be, he could win this fight. But I just uh, Justin Gaethje has talked about his vision not being great in the past, which means your death perception is not as great. And he's talked about having to f- use his arms as feelers in the in the cage and the octagon. And so I just don't like that versus someone as precise as Conor McGregor. And so I'd have to lean Conor McGregor. Now, with you uh, 100% on that, uh, I can't remember how long ago, I can't remember if it was on this podcast or the previous one, but I have always said that of like the top few uh, lightweights that I thought was just going to be silver platter type deal for Conor McGregor was Justin Gagey with how much he moves forward and Conor being a vicious counter striker, the fact that Gagey gets landed on hard by any southpaw, and that's where Conor McGregor's power is in his left hand. Um, he kind of does have that wide, almost karate stance to cover distance and then set up his shots. He gauges his leg kick would definitely come into play there. Gagey's defense has shortened up quite a bit over the last couple fights, so I'm not as confident as before. Like before, I would have said no brainer, it's going to be Connor. It's probably going to be a first round destruction, uh, similar to what happened to uh, Cowboy. Maybe it lasts a little bit longer than that. But uh, now I'm starting to think it's not as much of a foregone conclusion, although I would still heavily favor. Connor, and if it's like close to even money at all, I would probably end up betting Connor in that fight. But still, great fight to begin with. One of the better fights you can make for McGregor at the top part of the division, actually fighting someone who's ranked and is relevant. Uh, but we will update you, all you listeners, if you keep your eye on Twitter. Uh, those polls last about 24 hours. So tomorrow at about 6 or 7 o'clock, that's Central Time, so 8 Eastern six pacific (laughs) we will update you guys on how that one went and maybe by then that'll be an official fight announcement for the summer that's what they're looking for now moving on to what's coming up this weekend sorry if i seem a little bit jazzed i'm sorry joseph benavidez is fighting for his title i am beyond pumped i've been waiting for him to get that shot for a long 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 time but before we get anywhere even near that title fight the first fight we're going to cover is brendan allen who's plus 115 versus Tom Breeze, who's minus 135. Mike, I know you got a major lean and even a bet on this fight, so I'm going to toss to you for the first fight we're covering for UFC Norfolk. Where are you at? In this first matchup with Brendan Allen versus Tom Breeze, I'm going to be heavily on uh, Brendan Allen. I really, really don't believe in Tom Breeze at all. I the, the number one reason is because his last win was in 2018 versus Old Yeller, Dan Kelly. Then, versus Cesar Fajara in 2018, a week before the fight, he pulled out versus Caesar for basically no reason. Number two, 2019, he was supposed to fight Alessio Di Cricrico due to, and then pulled out due to injury. Then number three, if it didn't get any worse than the last two, 
it was because he pulls out versus Ian Heinich because he had what we call an anxiety attack. But I don't know if Breeze knows this, but every single time that every single month that I get my bills and I have to pay them, I get an anxiety attack. So it doesn't mean that I quit my job and then I don't go to work and doesn't mean I don't pay my bills and I don't feed my kids. So the number and then so we're going to go to why we love Brendan Allen. Brendan Allen is a BJJ black belt was he's super confident, was super superior mental strength. He's got really, really good kicks his right kick to the liver is really really devastating and his transitioning and wrestling is amazing he's even great off of his back the only flaw that he sometimes has is because he is good off his back he does give up the a dominant position and give and go to his back but only to go to a uh tr- to, to try for a straight arm lock that he's actually hunting to lock in a triangle that he's really, really fast and sneaky at. He's super, super impressive, man. He's only 23 years old. I mean, Tom Breeze used to be the business, but he's definitely not. The UFC has given this parting gift, and Brendan Allen is going to be my pick. I'm going to put down two units on him at plus 115. This kid's going to come in here, and he's going to whoop Tom Breeze's ass. I echo a lot of Mike's sentiments there, um, I, and even just on top of that, Brendan Allen has a f- nearly a four-inch reach advantage on Tom Breeze. I don't care if Tom Breeze has won two grappling matches in between his last fight and now Brendan Allen, or All In, sorry, I, that nickname, not as good on, um, <laughs> is definitely going to take it to him there he's fighting at rufus sport so he's actually fighting with a fairly high degree of guys uh with training and everything like that um tom breeze has been a little bit everywhere uh in terms of camps and granted yes he's 11 and 1 and that that sounds that sounds great but i'm sorry man he has five canceled bouts one of which is a was a grappling bout he ended up uh, going against the guy later and any fighter that has severe anxiety issues to the point that you're not fighting. This is me not dumping on people with anxiety. I know plenty of people that have crippling anxiety. I totally get it. But if your job is to go into one of the most stressful scenarios and fight for your living, I'm sorry. That's it's just not there for you. Um, <laughs> the fact that he hasn't fought in nearly two years some crazy ring rust is going to be happening there. Um, Like Mike said, it's like the last person he beat was Dan Kelly, who was severely on his way out. Before that, uh, he had almost another two-year gap because he had a cancel bout in there somewhere. He had a split decision loss to Sean Strickland, who is nothing to speak of anymore. That was on UFC 199. The last two times this guy's fought was UFC 199, which was almost three and a half years ago, and then at UFC Fight Night 130, which was just under two years ago this is how like this guy's ufc wins are against guys that don't exist anymore luis dutra jr kathal pendred kayata nakamura it's like these are guys like every victory he has isn't in the ufc anymore i i would put more weight on brandon allen's win over kevin holland than i would over just about anything tom breeze has done and you're getting brandon allen at dog money so i am all in with mike here uh, mike has two units on allen at plus 115 and you know what i'm tailing him there i think that is a great bet and look excited to cash that money with all you guys uh, moving on to the first fight of the main card this was one of the only one of the only prelim this is the only prelim fight that we were going to cover uh moving on to the main card grant 
Dawson. He's currently minus 420. He's fighting Derek Minner, who's plus 335. Uh, talking about Derek Minner for a second, he is 24 and 10. He is bad on the Midwest fighting scene, which if anyone knows the old myths of that, yes, the Midwest fighting scene is just utterly atrocious. It's terrible. Anyone good from the Midwest eventually moved and went to better camps and better gyms. Steve Amiosic is the only one that has stayed and had success. Anyone else that stays does not do well. Curtis Blades is from the Midwest. Yeah, he trains at Team Elevation now, because that's a bigger, better camp. I mean, Rufusport is Milwaukee, so that's Midwest, but I mean, just this Derek Minner, he's been, bro- like me and Mike, Mike had a good point earlier on, so I don't mean to steal his thunder, but he's being brought in to lose to Grant Dawson. Uh, Grant Dawson's win, I really liked Grant Dawson's win over uh, Julian Rosa. I really, really liked him there. I just think he is, I mean, it's one of those times that the minus 420 price tag actually makes sense, and not for an official pick or anything like that, but I, I think this is a great parlay leg, and I might even use it for one myself. Uh, Mike, feel free to join me in my glowing recommendation for Grant Dawson and how terrible Derek Miner is. Well, as you guys all know, we've been high on Grant Dawson since he got in the UFC. I mean, the only thing that he lacks, uh, he, he needs to get going as a little bit better stand-up, but I'm, I'm not... I, he will not need this in this fight. Derek Minner is an absolute nobody. His wrestling is garbage, and Grant Dawson has a great double leg. He should be able to grasp him and double leg him to the ground easily and just do his thing versus Derek Minner. This is a setup fight for Grant Dawson, a parlay piece, as you call it, and you just do what you can't you do with it because he's easily going to smash this kid, Derek Minner. Trying to reel in my thoughts because we're going to talk about Megan Anderson versus Norma Dumont. Megan Anderson being minus 225 versus Norma Dumont plus 185. And I'm reeling in my thoughts because I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. And I'll explain that. I have never been high on Megan Anderson. I have not. I have done nothing but talk about how she's not a good fighter and how she was cannon fodder for the division and she's only really in the UFC anymore for... Well, the fact that there's not many more feather, many other featherweights, and other reasons, um, but here against Norma Dumont, a four and zero, short, and not long limbed featherweight from Brazil who has never fought in the UFC, Megan Anderson has all the tools. Uh, she's longer. She has better striking. I would dare to guess she has better jujitsu. She's getting fed here. They they want to get her a win. They want to keep featherweight interesting I don't know if they want to try to make it so she could fight for a title again because she has kind of a name but I do think this is an absolute setup fight for Megan Anderson and honestly minus 225 is a pretty good number I just I cannot trust Megan Anderson with my money just from how I feel about her in general as a fighter Mike how do you feel about this fight and do you have any more information on this newcomer than I do no, I actually don't have any information on Dumont, and I, I really don't think you need any. I, this is one of the few times that I'm going to roll with Megan Anderson. I think she's too big and too strong, and she's got way too much experience now in the octagon, and she's going to easily take care of Dumont. So if you wanted to parlay with Dawson and Anderson, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't blame you. I should cash easily. Those are probably the two bets on the card that I would uh, parlay, and I think that they would just for sure just roll. Ian Kudalev is fighting. And you might not know what that means, but it means I'm going to comic book nerd out. And at some point this fight week, I will tweet out a picture of the superhero Ion at least three to four times. 
that's a deep cut superhero right there that is within the Green Lantern universe and it is their spectral entity's power. Yes, I'm getting real nerdy right now, but the picture's pretty badass. He was a, he was an awesome superhero and you know what? I'm 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 going to go with it even though Iron Cupid always goes with the Hulk and paints himself green and goes that way, but he has another superhero he can go with anytime, and I'm willing to talk to him about that. Uh, Ian Kudalaba is plus 175 versus Magomed Inkalaev. Yes, that Magomed Inkalaev, minus 210. I say that because anyone who's been watching fights for a while, there is this stigma around uh, Magomed Inkalaev because he was the first one to experience the wonder that was the third round submission loss to Paul Craig after utterly destroying him the entire fight. It was even more extreme because it was in the final second of the third round. He literally just had to hold his breath for one second longer and he would have won the fight. Um, I think too many people hold on to that. He's done nothing but look fantastic after the fact. Yes, he hasn't been fighting huge names, but he is dispatching the level of fighter the way he should. Um, He's been very active since, and you know what? He's been looking fantastic. Ayan Kudalaba has lost to anyone with a name. Uh, he's still good. He carry. He has a decent amount of power. He will throw haze like it's his job. Uh, he's starting to tight up his offense a little bit more in the early goings. But for someone who has been a self-professed like half-marathoner, like I've seen him publish a few of those, he doesn't have gas, man. He After the first round, a round and a half, he is definitely swinging blindly, and it's not going so well. I'm, so, I'm going ankle eye. I'm going in the major way. I think minus 210 is an absolute steal there. Uh, there's another great parlay piece to possibly use. I'm very high on ankle eye going forward just because he's very, he's very technical with his striking, and I just... I love myself a technical striker. Although Kudalaba has like the Greco-Roman wrestling like Sambo background, he is not. He doesn't have an overly powerful uh, takedown. He has it, but it's not anything that anyone with a decent um, takedown defense can't stop. And especially because he's a guy that wants to throw hands. So and he will. So I think this is going to be a really really exciting fight. I think Inkalayev can handle the punishment and ultimately either get a finish or win a decision here. Mike, where are you for this Ayan Kudalaba Magomed Inkalayev light heavyweight firework matchup? I think this is going to be an absolute fireworks show, man. I mean, Ayan Kudalaba has some mean mean striking, and so does Magomed. I mean, it's this is just. This is a tough one for me to pick, dude. Um, I, I'm going to favor Ankolov. I think that he just has the overall better mixed martial arts game, and I think that's going to get him through. But, I mean, I, I don't count out Kutlama's power. He just, I mean, he's the Hulk when he wants to be. But I really do think that Ankolov has learned enough and since that freak submission loss to Paul Craig, which he was dominating the entire thing. And I, I just believe that he's a stronger, more superior fighter. So I think that Magomed will roll here. In the co-main event of USC Norfolk, not sure why this is the co-main event, um, Felicia Spencer is minus 800. You heard that, minus 800 favorite over Zara Farn, who is plus 550. Felicia Spencer uh, was the girl who came in with some good finishes. Is actually a featherweight, and they threw again against Cyborg, and the fact that she lasted longer than most people thought she would are rating her really, really high right now. Uh, she has a really good jiu-jitsu game. 
and she is fighting Zarafarn, who got subbed by Megan Anderson earlier on the card. So, I mean, this fight is borderline unbettable. Um, you even can't risk going with Ghost of Decision, which you can in a lot of fights like this. Ghost of Decision is plus 185 because a sub might happen somewhere in there or a finish on the feet with the hands from Farron might happen in here. So this is just complete pass, uh, in my opinion. Mike, how do you feel about the co-main event of UFC Norfolk? Well, how I feel about it is that Felicia Spencer is not worth knowing any negative 800 ever in her lifetime. It's just ridiculous. Her wrestling is absolutely atrocious. I mean, if she had some good takedowns, I could see why she'd be worth that. I know she has a, a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, but that doesn't help if you can't get the girl down. So I don't know why this is lying like this. I mean, I know Zahar got submitted by a big Megan Anderson in her debut, but Zahar's got really, really good straight punching and some knees and some elbows. I think she can do enough damage to Felicia to possibly win this fight. So I'm, when it gets to this ridiculous odds in women's MMA, I'm going dog all day. So I'm going to go with Zahara for the big upset victory, possible TKO KO. And if that happens, remember where you heard that first and give Mike his all-due credit. Uh, in the main event is a fight I am so excited about. I am a Joe B <laughs> fan going back a long ways, man. Uh, Joseph Benavides is minus 150 against Davison Figueredo, plus 130. This is for the flyweight championship of the UFC. I was going to say world, but let's be real. It's of the UFC, which is borderline the world. Uh, Davison Figueredo has looked utterly fantastic in the UFC outside of a decision loss to Juicy Formiga, who we are also big fans of on this show. One thing that I truly think about Davison Figueredo and a lot of the current flyweights coming up is so many of them do not have any elites to test themselves against in the division other than against each other. So we're given this false sense of how good certain flyweights are because so many of the elites at flyweight are either not in the UFC anymore or have moved to other divisions. Um, you don't have the mainstays or they've all aged out. One person that's still there is Joseph Benavidez. Joseph Benavidez, his only loss since his last title attempt against uh, Demetrius Johnson was against Sergio Pettis, but that was after he got his ACL torn and repaired. Before he got his ACL torn and repaired, he actually won a decision, I can't remember if it was split or not, over now bantamweight champion Henry Cejudo. Um... For the longest time, I wanted that rematch to, rematch to happen at flyweight to, so Joe B could get his title. But you know what? Now he's going against Davis and Figueredo. I think, other than maybe raw power, I think Benavidez is better everywhere. And actually, this is going to be my bet on the card. I have Joseph Benavidez, which, who is currently minus 150. I have that to win one unit. So that's 1.5 units to win one for Joe B becoming the champion. For a lot of reasons, other than the fact that he is better everywhere, I think. His scrambling is utterly fantastic. I think his wrestling is far superior here. But you take all that and put it aside just for a minute. In all seriousness, Joby is 35. This is his last chance. This is his shining moment. This is what it all has been built for. He can finally become champion. Now, well, after he becomes champion, will he keep it? I don't know, because he's never attained it. He's been nothing but strive for it. This is his final chance. 
I'm just going with mindset. I'm thinking that's where his mindset is. Whereas Davidson Figueredo, he's like, I'm fighting for a title. This is awesome. I'm still young in my career. This is awesome. It's like he's he's not thinking this is his last chance. He's thinking it's a good chance. He I would assume thinking he's going to win, but he's not that young to begin with either. I mean, he's 32, which isn't that young, especially for a flyweight. Like I know Joby's 35, but. I love Joe B pretty much in every aspect here. Now, before I completely go too much overboard on everything with Joseph Benavidez, Mr. Beefcake, Joe B. One Kenobi, the man with a million nicknames, Mr. Megan Olivi, please, Mike, either bring me down to reality or justify my bold claims. Uh, well, you know, listeners know if you've been listening for, to Bob and I that we've been Joe B fans since ever since, and it ain't going to change now. Joe B has fought the better competition. He's finished the better competition. I mean, Devinson Figueroa, I've bet him, just like I said earlier, I've all the way up in his career to basically this point, and this is the point where I'm just choosing to jump off the ship, and that's because I don't, I'm not impressed by you choking out uh, Tim Elliott because he's not, Tim Elliott's just garbage. I mean, Devison Figueroa's last loss is first uh, juicier for Amiga, who Joe B. head kicked, knocked out in the first round. I know you don't do mental math all the time, but this is mental math for me when it's these small guys. They don't knock people out very often. And Joe B. has fought his entire life. He's worked his entire career to get to this moment. He deserves this moment. Bob and I have cheerleaded for him to get this moment. And it's not going to go without our two, our you know three-unit bet on him to win t- two units. I mean, Joe B., I hope he can do it. I pray he does it because if he does, man, we're going to be the happiest podcaster is. And not just because we won money for you and you guys, but because we truly love Joe B. And he's the true leader of mixed martial arts in that division. There Mike goes. And also Mike corrected me too. I I quoted you guys the wrong amount. So thank you, Mike, for fixing that because I completely wrote down the wrong amount given what we talked about before. But that's where we're settling down here for UFC Norfolk. Now, before we completely depart, I want to thank everyone for listening to the show. I wanted to give everybody a reminder to please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. We will start reading off good reviews. <laughs> Maybe even all reviews. Who cares? Uh, if you start reviewing the show, we'll start reading you on here. We'll give you a shout-out. Make sure you include your Twitter handle. We'll give you a shout-out uh, on Twitter, on here, anywhere you want. Uh, quick review for the show before we bid our fair adieus is our two bets for this fight card are two units for Brandon Allen at plus 115 and the three units for Joe B which since he's minus 150 that's to win two units so if all said and done we win both we're coming at with 4.3 units at the end of this event you know what I'm feeling really good I'm feeling really confident so Here are some bets for you guys. Obviously, keep your eyes to Twitter for any additional bets, either on my end, on Mike's end. We will also very likely have an article to retweet for you guys that will be coming out uh, sometime on Saturday on Fight Day that has a couple props for you guys from MMA Gangster himself. By all means, still check out the website, MMA4Money.com for any additional articles. Also, you can sign up for NASCAR packages and all that kind of stuff as you got Prime there throwing down winners left and right. Oh, and before we forget, I almost forgot for you guys. Oh my goodness. I want to hear Mike's take on this. I don't have much of a take because like I said, not much of a boxing head. But Mike, how is your feeling about Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury 2. 
Holy shit, man. I should stick to mixed martial arts because Tyson Fury laid the smack down on Wilder. I know Wilder's making a lot of excuses about his body armor being too heavy and he blew out his knees and yada, yada, yada. But Tyson Fury was just a superior fighter, man. It didn't look like Wilder wanted any part of his his jab, his reach, and his length. He was definitely just a way crisper, better boxer. Deontay Wilder was exposed for only having a big right hand. And uh, Tyson Fury had the full boxing game. And shout out to him and uh congratulations on your championship and you deserve it just want to quick hit that i understand it was a big 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 fight and yet again shout out to our patriarch of the mma4money.com mr prime himself mma for money he had a bet that he released a free one on twitter for tyson fury at dog money so obviously always keep an eye on him for that as well as nascar bets so thank you all for coming out here thank you all for listening mike do you have any final parting words for our fans listening right now yeah it's just mma it's it's not only mma season but it's nascar season just started so make sure you go get your subscription because prime hits those things like nobody's business and we're not talking about you know plus 200 dogs like a ufc we're talking about plus 2000 plus 1200 he does it all the time and it's just ridiculous so if you're not joining the mma money for money team you don't know what you're doing best team in MMA, best team on Twitter, best team in NASCAR. Granted, it's the only team I've ever been on in NASCAR, but you know what? It's a winning team, so I'm going to go over there. Um, uh, enjoy the fights this weekend. We will talk about it after. Enjoy the money. Enjoy the picks. Let's roll. Mm-hmm. 